taking the gloves off. He's talking in depth about pro wrestling, sports, pop culture, trending topics on social media, politics, and his crazy life. He's uncensored. He's unapologetic. He's media personality Brad Shepard. And he's unleashed. I'm ready to play now. Put me in the game now. I came here to prove it. I'm ready to do it. I can't be afraid now. Put me on the stage now. I'm ready to rage now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. So what are you afraid of? Those feelings are made of Get in the game, your moment of fame Show them what you made of It's time that we stand up It's time that we man up For anyone asking who is the best We putting our hands up My time, my time Nothing can keep me from reaching the top This time, like the last time I'm moving so fast, I'm ready to I'm ride. ready to throw down It's time for the showdown I'm ready to rise Don't be surprised, I'll take on the world now Welcome to Brad Shepard Unleashed, wherever in the world you may be listening. If you're not following me on Instagram, stop what you're doing right now. Find me at It's Brad Shepard and follow me. My Twitter handle is also at It's Brad Shepard. And of course, my Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Brad Shepard Unleashed, where you can get your full dose of everything Brad Shepard for just $4 a month. I'm under attack from cancel culture warriors on all sides, so it's important you follow my content everywhere. I was banned from Twitter just this week, and bad faith actors have repeatedly tried to get my Patreon canceled. All right, I've got a great show for you this week, so let's dive right in. It's time to take the gloves off. Well, as always, we're going to start with the fake news wrestling media. And good old Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer. Dave told his Twitter following of nearly 300,000 that Vince McMahon used company money to pay off women he had affairs with. Dave didn't understand the legal filing, and so he misinterpreted what was said and decided to report that without, I don't know, checking with an actual expert. Dave proved once again he's the biggest spreader of fake news in pro wrestling media. And when an actual journalist from the TV industry explained just how wrong Dave was, well, he deleted his tweet. You must understand, Dave Meltzer is not a smart person, nor is he a real journalist. In a just society, Dave Meltzer would be shining people's fucking shoes in airports 
begging for tips to make a living instead of milking naive marks out of millions. Now, Mike Johnson is back at it again. He reported over the weekend that Edge and Beth Phoenix would be on Raw. The only problem is Edge was not on Raw. Neither was Beth Phoenix for that matter. And if Mike Johnson subscribed to my Patreon, he would have known that. I reported Edge was originally scheduled to be on Raw, but was no longer part of the show as of around the time of Vince McMahon's retirement announcement. And finally, Sean Ross Sapp. When Sapp was criticized over his reporting by a follower, he responded by doxing the man, tweeting a DM which provided his name, city of residence, and where he used to work. At one point, the person apparently asked Sapp about writing for Fightful, and this is how Sapp repays people who criticize him. At this point, if you're willing to apply for a writing job at Fightful and provide your personal information to Sean, then you must understand you are at risk of being doxxed by him if he becomes unhappy with you. Old Pink Dick has paper-thin skin and an ego so big that it can't fit through most doorways. This fat son of a bitch is challenging all of us, has been world champions before, been in his business 15, 20 years, and this fat son of a bitch is going to call us all out. Calm down, calm down. He's fat! He's fat! He's fat! I'll make him bleed! Time for my favorite news segment once again, the Fat Ass of the Week. And I know what you're thinking. Who could it be? Who, who, who? Could it be Keith Lee? A wrestler we can literally hear getting fatter during matches. Maybe it's that fat slob headcase Eddie Kingston. Now these are both... Fat son of a bitches. But there can only be one supreme fat motherfucker. And this week, that distinction once again goes to the man with more folds than a laundry basket. More rolls than a bakery. A man whose belt size is a quater. And that fat bastard is the prize eater himself, Kevin Owens. All right, let's talk about WWE Raw. We're heading into the weekend. SummerSlam is upon us. Let's talk about the final Raw before SummerSlam. And by the way, the first Raw post Vince McMahon. Triple H in charge. Let's talk about how that went. Raw kicks off with The Miz and Logan Paul brawling in the ring. Now, that was a good way to start the show. They didn't stick to the typical Raw formula in this instance. We got to see Miz being serious. Those are all good things. But the problem is, 
we've had weeks of The Miz being a total bitch. A mid-card comedy clown that nobody could take seriously. And now we're suddenly supposed to believe he's, he's a fighter. He's ready to fight. That's the problem. There's no consistency. But I did like seeing this. It did. It added intrigue to their match. It's a match I'm looking forward to because I think Logan Paul is fantastic, although they're casting him wrong. This guy is not a babyface. He's a heel and at best a tweener. But Mike the Miz is going to do his job like only he can do. He is going to make this work. And that's exactly why Mike was the perfect person for this role. Now, Raw continued with Roman Reigns. That's right. The bloodline came out. Paul Heyman did a fantastic job on the fly. They had a mic issue. And and, and Paul just is a master of the mic. So they did a very nice job. We ended up getting theory. We got a whole lot of theory, actually. I think it was probably most very, very close to all of the first hour of Raw. He was on a long-ass time. Oh, but Brad, Theory got beat, and he got clowned by Roman Reigns, and your daddy's not here anymore, and who's your daddy, and blah, blah, blah. That's great. You're not supposed to like the guy. He's a heel, motherfucker, as Jim Cornette would say. You're not supposed to like him. You're, you're drawing in emotion. He got booze when he came out. That's actually how it's supposed to work. You're not supposed to love the heels. I know the smart fans, these IWC marks, don't seem to understand that. Oh, he's a good heel if he's cool. No, the good heels don't do just the cool moves to pop you. They don't want to pop you because that's not their job, you jackass. Theory is really knocking it out of the park. Unfortunately, he was uh, paired up with Drew McIntyre. And if you thought the sword was bad, and it is, the sword is absolutely fucking stupid. But the only thing worse is Drew McIntyre's personality. This guy's personality is as dry as weak old paint. I've got more charisma in my pinky fucking finger than Drew McIntyre WWE superstar please do tell me how that's supposed to work and this guy is going to be one of your featured superstars how is that supposed to work I can tell you how it's working just look at the viewership the fans are McIntyre watching him too More Bobby Lashley. Bobby's run as U.S. champion is great. Bobby is on a great run, the run of his career right now. You throw in Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes and a whole lot of stupid bullshit. We are over Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre. I don't care. I'd die happy if I never see that match again. I would. Now, this show was centered around 20 years of Rey Mysterio. It's a celebration of Rey Mysterio. He's got his family out there. And they actually made Rey look pretty good overall. So I have to give WWE credit here. 
They didn't try any wacky hijinks. He didn't lose his match. He won his match clean. He got to celebrate his career, have a nice moment. Now, in the back, Judgment Day did attack. And there was a brief brawl. But for the most part, he got to have his moment. And and so that was something that was not typical of WWE. So there's really two things I saw here. One was starting off the show with a Miz and Logan Paul brawl. The second was this. Those were the two differences I saw on the show. Didn't really see any others. But Ray got his moment. Now, he was totally fucking buried later. Especially Dominic. That guy might as well cut his dick off or stick it between his legs and tuck it up. Because he's got nothing left after Rhea Ripley fucking punked him out, grabbed him by the hair, dragged him around like a caveman used to do to a cavewoman back in the day. And he did nothing about it. Then she she kicked Rey Mysterio. She kicked him. And Dominic did nothing about it. I mean, maybe she looks at Dominic and says, I lift more weights than this guy does. Fuck it. I'll, I'll take the chance. But Ray got his moment, and that was nice. Because Ray's had a great career. He's short. We all know it. He is very fucking short. But he's been an outlier. He's a luchador. He broke down barriers. Never should have won the Royal Rumble. Never should have won the World Championship. But that aside, he's had a tremendous career. I just think Judgment Day sucks. It's unfortunate they've got to work with them because Judgment Day without Edge, well, it's fucking awful. It's mid-card fodder. It's boring. Finn Balor sucks. I've been saying it for a long time. This guy is just not very good. Who cares? Oh, Finn Balor's got abs. That's great. Who cares? He's, He's believable? I don't think so. The Judgment Day sucks. They're nothing without Edge. And that's been badly exposed. Now we got a Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch segment. Of course, they have their match at SummerSlam. Uh, Bianca cut a promo. Becky interrupted and it turned into a brawl. And it was broken up by officials. The crowd was deader than Chris Benoit for this segment. That's right. They did not give a shit. It was actually pretty incredible (laughs) to get a crowd, an MSG crowd, to to be so disinterested in what you're doing that you could have practically heard a pin drop during this segment. I loved it. For years, I have talked about the dollar store Stone Cold Becky Lynch while everybody kissed her ass and worked her up to be something she wasn't. Now we got big time Bex and she's wearing these wacky costumes that you'd see in model runaway shows in fucking Hollywood. And she's so cool. She's awful. She's been totally exposed. And this crowd did not give a shit. It's just the truth. You don't have to like it. Alexa Bliss had a match. Nobody fucking cares. 
Literally nobody cares. She's having a match so they can pimp out her fucking creepy doll. So that children who like this creepy shit can bully their friends and family to buy this fucking creepy doll. It's probably overpriced. But you know what? You're, you're going to make Junior happy. You're going to make whoever happy. Because you don't want to hear their shit. So you're going to get this fucking creepy doll. And you're going to want to stab that thing and throw it out every day you see it. But you got to push that fucking doll, pal. It's making money. I don't know why Dewdrop was on this show. I do wish she'd drop about fucking 100 pounds. We got an Impulsive TV segment with Logan Paul. Maurice came out. She's talking about Mrs. Balls. Yeah, that's right. The ball talk continues. Oh, Vince McMahon's obsessed with all this stuff. This was Triple H. Paul Levesque, the great Paul Levesque of NXT fame. Carrying on the testicle jokes. Ah, uh, it's great shit, pal. She let everyone know that Miz has average-sized testicles. In fact, she told us what the measurement was. Logan Paul was like, well, who measures their testicles? And Mike says, I do. <sighs> Jesus Christ. They started out with a brawl. That was good. Then they turn it to how big their fucking balls are. I got bigger balls than all these motherfuckers. So I don't really want to hear about their average-sized testicles. Let them have the match and be serious. Look at Miz's WWE resume. Let's make that serious. <sighs> Champa, the fucking fucked-up-eared elf, comes out and, and attacks Paul from behind. Woohoo. I'm supposed to care about that. Uh, AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler had a match. Uh, oh, yeah. They faced Alpha Academy. Mm, not many people cared about that. Who cares? I certainly didn't care. What was the point of that? I don't know. But we had the six-man tag match. Uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos versus Riddle and the Street Profits. You had this match. And it was a good match. A good six-man main event match. And, and it ends. The point is, it ends, of course, Reigns pins Riddle. But Seth Rollins, after the match, as the bloodline is leaving, he hits Riddle with the steel steps. He stomps him, then stomps him again on the steel steps. That's the key here. Okay? So that was Raw in a nutshell. So Raw, except for two things was the Raw I see each and every week. You should have seen the fans' reaction on social media. The IWC marks. They were practically erect at the idea of a Triple H-run WWE Monday Night Raw. And then they realized it just wasn't that great. So they moved the goalpost. Well, you didn't really think or you shouldn't have expected one episode in, it would change. 
and you get to watch these dumb IWC marks move the goalpost even further each and every week as they begin to make excuses for the game. All right, let's talk about WWE SummerSlam coming up on Saturday. Now, I think the card itself is going to be pretty good. I mean, I certainly think the build has not been the best. We've talked about that on my Patreon. Uh, But for the second biggest show of the year, the build has just not been where it needs to be. But with that being said, let's run down the card. Now, WWE noted this week that Seth Rollins versus Riddle, which was originally scheduled for SummerSlam, is no longer on. They stated that Riddle suffered a stinger at the hands of Seth Rollins on Raw, which I just talked about. And so I'm getting questions, you know, asking if this is a work. This was a storyline change to creative plans. This was not a real injury. As far as I know, Seth is still scheduled to be at the show as of the time I record this as well. So just a creative change. Don't know why, but that is what it is. We've got Logan Paul The Miz. I spent some time talking about this. Again, I think Logan Paul here is going to be fighting the battle of trying to be a babyface when he'll get a mixed reaction at best. But I think the match is going to be good. It's going to be interesting. I think Logan Paul is really, really good. Naturally good. And The Miz is the perfect person to pair him up with. Logan Paul is going to go over strong. Miz is going to do the job. They know Miz can do it and do it well. We also have our Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. The crowd could care less about this on Raw Can't blame them. Hopefully, this is the end. Hopefully, this is Bianca beating Becky Lynch definitively and this never happening again. Because I don't need to see this again. Maybe if you want to do this in a few years, that's fine. But I don't need to see Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch again anytime soon. Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. This is one of the most anticipated matches, in my opinion, on the entire SummerSlam card. Pat, of course, is fantastic. He's the best commentator in pro wrestling and also a great in-ring performer. Pat's also a great promo, and the fans are really, really behind him. He's working with the perfect partner in Happy Corbin. These two are going to work together to have a great match. Uh, The build has been there. There's a built-in story that used to be in the same football team, the Indianapolis Colts. The build to this, has they have made it good uh, and and, and better than it should have been. And they're going to make this a good match, too. This is going to be fun. The entire thing with these two has been entertaining, and that's going to cap off at SummerSlam. So I'm really looking forward to that one. The Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship It's the Street Profits versus the Usos. That should be a really good match. Uh, Again, when you talk about build, there's been some things I didn't like. The the singles matches on SmackDown, you know, not really necessary. Not what I would have done. 
But the build between the teams, the referee controversy, I think people are looking forward to this match uh, for the first time, a tag team match really in a long time on a premium live event. I mean, they are typically not one of the bigger matches you look forward to, but it kind of feels like this is going to be a really fun, good match. It's got a story built in. So I think there'd be a lot of fun. You've got Double J as the special referee. He's a wild card. Again, I think it should be Sami Zayn. That's who makes sense in the context of the story they've been telling for quite a while. Hopefully, he, maybe he'll knock out Jeff Jarrett and just fucking take, take the referee job. Give me the shirt, pal. Uh, so, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, who knows? Uh, who knows how he'll be involved, but uh, this should be a good match. The United States Championship match. Lashley versus Theory. This will be a good match. It'll be very interesting to see where this is placed on the card. Obviously, when you talk about Theory threatening to cash in his money in the bank contract after the main event, you would typically see that sort of a scenario if, if his match would be earlier in the evening. So that's something to keep an eye on. But Lashley is on a hell of a run. Theory is tremendous. One of the best young stars in the business right now. And only getting better every week. Uh, I'm very interested how they're going to book this match. They've certainly not made Theory look as strong as they could have. But at the same time, he's out there with the big stars. He's getting a lot of TV time. So this will be one to watch. The SmackDown Women's Championship. Liv Morgan Vanilla Ice Cream versus Ronda Rousey. The baddest woman on the planet. And I... Would just love to see Ronda squash her. Walk up, arm bar, tap her out immediately. Because Liv Morgan, you know, you could even argue Ronda Rousey should just shoot on Liv Morgan. Grab her, put her in an arm bar, immediately fucking end her title reign, force her to tap out as a shoot so we can be done with the worst women's wrestler on the roster who also happens to be your SmackDown Women's Champion. She is vanilla ice cream. Bad. She is boring. We want to just forget this championship reign ever existed. Ronda, we're counting on you. Shoot on her. I'm concerned. We're looking at a scenario where Ronda Rousey may not walk out as champion. They may protect Ronda. They may do a schmoz. Maybe Charlotte comes back. Maybe something happens and Liv somehow retains. And we all feel good because Liv loves this business. Woohoo! Like, I fucking care if she loves this business. I don't ask Jim Carrey if he loves the business of acting. He's a great actor. I watched the movie. I don't give a shit if he loves it. So tired of this fucking Mark thinking. We got to get past Liv Morgan. She's unbearable and she is being forced down our throats. <sighs> and then finally, the main event. It's the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. They're promoting this as the last time. It's a last man standing match. And uh, anything could happen. Certainly Roman Reigns the favorite. There's the element potentially of theory after the match. A lot of things can happen. 
Absolutely. Seth Rollins doesn't have a match right now. You never know what's going to happen. There is a little bit of intrigue here with this card. I'm, I'm going to watch SummerSlam, and I think it's going to be a decent card. I really do. It could have been better. There's more they could have done. But overall, I think it's going to be a pretty good show. All right, let's talk about Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys owner, being forced to apologize for making a midget joke. <laughs> While addressing members of the media at Cowboys training camp, Jones said, Lace held court out here. <laughs> I'm going to get me somebody, a midget, to stand up there with me and dress him up like Lace. And I think Lace is still out here helping us. Look at the practice with us. Now, uh, the former employee is referring to Lace, uh, passed away at 85 years old in May. Uh, so, seems perfectly harmless. But, oh, no. I don't think so, Mr. Bigot Pants. Comedian, quote-unquote, Brad Williams, who is a midget himself, fired away at Jones over the comment saying, When someone offends you, it's important to have empathy and find common ground. Jerry and I have a lot in common. For instance, we both haven't won a Super Bowl in over 25 years. Remember when comedians were funny and actually had a sense of humor? Because I do. Well, next, the LPA, Little People of America, went after Jerry Jones, and he was pressured into apologizing for saying what TMZ Sports referred to as the M-word. A billionaire cucked by the woke mob because he used a different word than they like. Apparently, the word midget is outdated and offensive, and we must use little people. Well, that's why I will continue to call those little fuckers midgets all day, every day. I'm six foot six. What the fuck are they going to do about it? Kick me in the shins? You know, I was actually suspended from Twitter for 12 hours on Wednesday after commenting on this story. I simply said that our society had become pussified. And then I dared to use the word midget. Speaking of midgets, let's talk about Jonathan Gresham. He deleted his Twitter Fresh off having a meltdown over criticisms of his height. Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro, beat him for the ROH world title at the ROH show. There's obviously tension between Gresham and Tony Khan, and he requested his release. He had a meltdown. He was very upset being criticized. Now, I made a tweet simply saying that someone his size, at 5'2"-ish, let's be honest, really shouldn't be able to, as a rule, make a living in pro wrestling as a wrestler. Now, if he's, you know, concession stand or ring announcer or referee, whatever the fuck, I don't care. That's fine. But a world champion? 
Again, he's no Rey Mysterio, and even that I didn't like. He's practically a midget. Apparently, Tony Khan may have referred to him as a dwarf. That's kind of true. Well, <laughs> his wife, Jordan Grace, who keeps tabs on me online, even though she's had me blocked for a long time, she fired up a tweet about me, calling me a pervert. Because I like to rate women's butts. But then she quickly deleted it. But not before loyal members of the Unleashed Army messaged me to let me know. It's real simple, Jordan. Just next time, unblock me and at me. All right, it's time for the mailbag. Now... I don't have as many questions as I normally would because I didn't get to ask my social media following for questions because I was suspended for daring to say midget, 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 midget. But I have plenty of questions as always. We do fortunately have a loyal audience. Some of them do email questions. That's what I've got for this show. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Hey, man, what do you think about Girl on Cinema being chased off the internet? She was pretty funny, but I think that AEW harassed her so much in real life that it made her stop expanding her social media profile. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. There is a price to pay along with getting a platform on social media in professional wrestling or any industry. It's something I've experienced firsthand more significantly than Girl on Cinema has. It's not for everybody. It's not an easy thing to deal with, and it's not something most people can deal with. So I totally get it. It's fine. It makes sense. It's sad, though. But Girl on Cinema, she wasn't interested in defending the people who were on her side of the argument. She only cared about herself and building her own brand. She didn't care about her allies or working together for a common interest with people who agreed with her or supported her. It was all about her, so don't ask me to feel bad for her. Also, didn't she have a nice ass for a small woman? Well, I never really saw her ass. I mean, I'm sure it was probably fine. I guess that's fair. Hey, Brad, I'm sure you've heard about how much of a massive success WWE 2K22 has been on a financial and creative level. I was wondering, do you think that the follow-up, WWE 2K23, is a good idea or not? I ask because what made WWE... 2K22 so good is that the company spent an entire extra year working on it. It's basically flawless. I wouldn't call it flawless or even basically flawless, but I do think it's pretty good. Your your average fan who's going to play games will be perfectly fine and think this is a good game. There's a, a very tiny audience of you know super video game dorks that you know are going to find you know a lot of flaws in this. But for the most part, it is it is really a pretty good game. So I would agree with that. You know, um, I think they absolutely have to follow it up, right? They, they sure do. 
even if that means they have to push the date for 2K23 back. I, I want to see them come out with another one. But I don't want to see them at this point sacrifice the quality of the game. Because going through that difficult situation they did where they really fucked things up. They're starting to recover. So they can't go backwards now. So if they have to push back the date, I think that's the ideal thing to do. 2K20 didn't work out because it was a rush production and full of poor CG and shitty AI. Do you think that 2K23 coming out is a good idea? Yes. Should WWE switching to releasing games every two years? Uh, should, or should they just focus on the annual income? You know, from a, a quality perspective, you understand releasing games every two years because certainly you'll you'll get a better game quality-wise. No question about that. But the development cycle is all based on making the most money. And for that reason, no matter what I think, they're going to continue to do it every year. Jim Ross became infamous for calling AEW bad booking ideas on live TV a few years ago. <laughs> love that. Totally love it. It's highly unprofessional. I'd probably fire him for it. But as someone who realizes what a fucking trash-ass garbage show AEW is, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Now Taz has started to do it too, even better. Have you heard anything about this? Uh, is it a work or are there really people trashing their boss on the air? I'm not aware of any works regarding this. Uh, Jim Ross, I think. I don't know if, if Ross is on the sauce or what happens, but he starts getting real honest sometimes on TV and you just know he gets bothered by this shit sometimes. Uh, so it's quite funny. <laughs> it's something I enjoy. Man, so Tony Khan spent $40 million to buy ROH Apparently, that pay-per-view event they did at the week uh, barely sold more than 300 tickets, and there was about 150 on top of that in cops. Plus, that guy Grisham just quit. This is all a very, very bad look for Tony Khan. Well, of course, Tony Khan continues to be exposed for a total fucking dipshit. I mean, the guy just doesn't know what he's doing. He's playing with daddy's money. He's living out this fucking... Mark fantasy wrestling booking with a real company that his daddy bought for him. I mean, that's what this guy is doing. I mean, you could see this guy playing with the action figures, even at his age now, at home, and then transferring that into actual writing of the show on TV every week. I mean, this guy is a total weirdo, wacko Mark. I think there's something wrong with him. I think he's on some stuff. I just don't get it. But ROH is all his. He had to make sure this was not Daddy's company. So we can't blame Daddy Shad here. This is all on Tony. And he has dropped the ball on ROH. Where's the TV deal, Tone? You're the ROH world champion. Claudio, congrats. What the fuck does that mean? Jonathan Grisham, whether you like him or not, and obviously he's very short, but they never did anything to feature that guy or give him a chance as ROH world champion. And that's a fact. And it's also a fact that AEW fans have turned on him because he's complained. You see, they're all about the social justice causes while it's convenient and it's all fake and phony and performative. But when it comes down to it, when it's nut cutting time, they are lock, stock, barrel, and in line with Tony Khan and AEW. Have you heard anything backstage about troubles within the company over this? It's the worst possible start 
Even Tony Khan himself looked quite sullen at the media scrums. He's usually overly animated. To be fair, he could have been over-medicated. Now, I've heard some backstage things that are very interesting in AEW. Nothing about this specifically. You're right. It's a very awful start to ROH under his rule. But it is what it is. Why would you expect any less with Tony Khan in charge? He's a disaster. Whether it's the Jaguars, whether it's Fulham FC, or whether it's AEW. Favorite Tommy Lee Jones movie? Ah, probably The Fugitive. The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. I thought he was excellent as a U.S. Marshal working with Harrison Ford in that. Uh, I think that's probably... One of the first movies where I became a big fan of his work. Brad, what is your opinion on the NWA? Based on a lot of photos from shows in 2022, it seems like they struggle to sell even 100 tickets per show. I remember earlier this year they did a show for maybe 39 fans, which NWA said was due to COVID restrictions. But really, things haven't improved so much, and it's not like Billy Corgan's band Smashing Pumpkins are a big deal at all anymore. Have you heard any behind-the-scenes news on their company standing? Not really. I mean, Billy Corgan is presenting the idea that they are happy where they're at right now. And and that, to me, is just more of a, a reality check, right? It, it He understands how insignificant NWA is right now. And he's responsible for some of that, but ultimately, it's the business as a whole. Of course they're struggling. Who are you going to go to pay to see, Tyrus? You're going to go... Who are you going to pay to see? Nick Aldis, the one that fucking AEW and WWE didn't want? That's who you're going to go pay to see? Trevor Murdoch? The guy who was a tag team mid-carder in WWE? You're going to go pay to see the champion, Trevor Murdoch? Yeah, it's they're going nowhere fast. I mean, he can bleed all the money he wants to in this fucking vanity project. At the end of the day, it's a vanity project. Do you think NWA could uh, expand? What do you think they could do to expand? Do you think it's just simply never going to happen? Yeah, I just think it's simply never going to happen. <laughs> hey, Brad, what's your take on Eric Bischoff? I think that he has the best wrestling podcast in the world. Gonna have to disagree, sir. Uh, you're listening to Brad Shepard Unleashed, the best podcast in the world for professional wrestling. Outside of that, of course. But at the same time, he refuses to accept the blame for anything that didn't work in the past. I think how he always takes shots at Russo is a really bad look for him. Not that I'm saying Russo is perfect, though. Well, Russo is certainly not perfect. Let me tell you, he is far from it. Eric, I really liked a lot of Eric's commentary. Ultimately, he's a carny. So uh, it all depends on where his interests are lying. But Eric has provided a lot of good analysis. I thought very highly of his work in WCW. I thought highly of his work uh, on screen in WWE. So I, I don't have any issues uh, with Eric Bischoff. But, you know, he, he's not perfect. Also, Brett, any news on any upcoming guest co-host? For this show, absolutely not. No news and upcoming guest hosts. Absolutely not. You're listening to Brad Shepard Unleash the draw. The man himself, Brad Shepard. That's all you need. Now on my Patreon account, 
I absolutely will occasionally have other people on my show, Unleashed Extra. And we'll chop it up. We'll talk about different things, wrestling and other things outside of wrestling. It's very fun. It's $4 a month and you should sign up. Why are people acting so depressed now and not acting like Chris Farley? It's like the Joker says, why so serious? There are people who hate listen to my show. I literally ruin their day and they hate listen because they're so triggered by what I say. And I say, why so serious? You're right. We should all act a little more like Chris Farley. I agree. Lighten up, Francis. Why have a lot of people been turning LGBTQ recently? Uh, Or as Joe Biden called them, LGBTL. So apparently there's like a double lesbian in there or something. You know, I don't know. I have no idea why people be... The freaking frogs! They're turning the frogs gay! It's in the water! I don't know. I really don't know. Um, You know, I know it's a movement. It's part of this woke movement where it's becoming a little trendy. Maybe you want to be LGBTQ. You're a boy. You want to be a girl now. Woohoo! Look at me. I'm going to Hollywood to tell everyone my daughter is tranny. It's kind of the trendy thing now there. It's just ridiculous. People are way too focused on their sexuality and letting that define them. And the same goes for their gender. You are born as you are. If you were born a boy, that's what you are. You can put on a dress. You can wear makeup. You can change your name to Maria. But if you're a boy, if you're born with a penis... You are a boy presenting yourself like a girl. But at the end of the day, you're still a boy. Nothing can change that ever. You can cut off the dick. You can turn the dick into a makeshift pussy. You're still going to be a boy. That's how you were born. Can the NFL strip an owner team because of poor performance on the field and revenue? And if they can, when will they strip Tony Khan? Well, if they could, they would have stripped him a long time ago. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Look, the Browns wouldn't have a franchise if they could do this. That fucking dumpster fire of an NFL franchise. So, no. Another one for you. What do you think about how keeping it 100 with Conan trashes wrestling marks? Do you think it's bad business, or do you think that wrestling fans are so extreme that they deserve to be trashed? My opinion, I'm all for it. They deserve to be trashed. These IWC marks deserve to be trashed. They deserve to be put in their place. Greetings, Bradford. I figure we should change it up from who's your favorite this, what's the best that, Fuck that. Let's dig into some shit. Least favorite QB. Eli Manning for me. He killed TB12 twice. Tommy Boy should have had 10 rings like the Mandarin. Ah, geez. Um, Least favorite QB. Cam Newton. Not a fan. Least favorite wrestler. Eli Drake, dummy. That shit was so lame. Least favorite wrestler. Oh, jeez. Ali. 
Least favorite inventor for me, Eli Whitney. His cotton gin put a lot of people out of a job. What a asshole. Least favorite inventor for me. Um, maybe the guy who invented the inflatable dartboard. I don't know. I don't have a least favorite inventor. Bonus question. Least favorite country has to be Brazil. I fucking hate the Gracies and all their gay-ass jujitsu. Early UFC was them jumping on their back like they wanted to get butt-fucked. Time fools up with their gi. So lame. Well, I'm going to have to disagree here, Iron Patriot, because I'm an enormous fan of Hoist Gracie. He's my favorite all-time UFC fighter. So you can go fuck yourself, dude. But uh, least favorite country? Ah, oh, jeez. How about Ukraine? <laughs> Stealing all my tax money, motherfucker! Fuck you! Hey, Brad. Did you hear Tony Storm quit WWE because she thought WWE was making her life miserable after Stephanie found sexually explicit text messages between Tony Storm and Triple H? I heard a lot of wrestlers believe Storm had an affair with Triple H. The story would make sense because Tony got a release immediately from the company after speaking up about her mistreatment. I have not heard this whatsoever. Uh, there is definitely some strain in the marriage between Paul and Stephanie, uh, but I never heard anything about Tony Storm definitely doing. There's some speculation on some things, but, you know, I, I, I was led to believe that Tony Storm was getting a hard time, actually. Not a hard time, like you're implying, but just difficult situation, difficult work environment that had nothing to do with that. So I have not heard that. All right, that's the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week, and you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brad yeah. Shepard Unleashed. Unleashed. Stay connected to yeah. Brad 24-7 for news, announcements, yeah. and analysis by following him on Twitter at It's Brad yeah. Shepard. You've been listening to Brad Shepard Unleashed. Yeah.